How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob DeMello, and joining me after a three-week hiatus, we have former University of Hawaii player and coach, current Spectrum sports analyst, Rich Miano and coach. That one hurt. Heartbreak in Halava as the University of Hawaii football team lost to arch-rival Fresno State 41-38 on Saturday essentially knocking them out of the West Division race here in the Mountain West Conference. So obviously a big loss to an arch rival in a game that you led by 10 at halftime, then went down by 14 with two minutes and 14 seconds remaining, only to tie it with a minute left, only to end up losing it by a field goal as time expired. We have a lot to talk about in regards to this game, in regards to the state of the program, in regards to moving forward. But first things first, how big of a loss was that for this team? Yeah, I think it was huge. And you mentioned some of the circumstances. One is it's against a rival. Two, it's to put you uh, not only in a competitive position in the Mountain West Conference, but to bring some of the fan base back to Halava. And then just uh, to prove the national narrative that you're a good football program. And then how you lost the game in terms of being 0 for 2 on fourth down, being able not to stop a dual option quarterback on the last drive of the game. You know, JoJo Ward not catching that ball that would have been probably a 14-point swing based upon the next play's a tipped interception. Uh, Paul Scott coming through on a clean blitz called by Corey Batoon and not executing when it should have been a sack, pushing them out of field goal range. I mean, there are so many circumstances in this game for Hawaii to win in the, 15, the 13 penalties for 135 yards, some of them not very smart. I mean, it just hurt. And I noticed you at the end of the broadcast, myself, guys that care about this program, they count the same in the wins and loss categories. And you try to coach that and you try to, as a player, but this one hurt. Absolutely. And all the things you talked about, missed opportunities, missed connections, miscommunications, penalties. I mean, they all added up and we can go and pull up the play by play and talk about every single play and how we got to this point and be here for the next six and a half hours. Yes. But we got to try to channel this thing in. And so let's go in categories. And the first things first, because it is the game of American football, everyone's going to turn and look at the quarterback. Cole McDonald, 21-42, 275 yards passing, a touchdown and an interception. He was not sacked. He was mobile in those situations. Early in the game, the offensive line played phenomenal. Um, but you did have what appeared to be Cole McDonald just not being Cole McDonald. And that's coming off of a New Mexico game where, where he was sensational. And it seems to be that that is the situation where one week it's is Cole McDonald leaving early to, to mm -hmm. enter the NFL draft. NFL scouts are flying to road games and drooling all over this guy. And then the very next week he's benched. I mean, we've seen this over and over again over the last two seasons. Chevin Cordero comes into the game, five of nine, 71 yards passing. And, and then he leads Hawaii essentially to tie the game. Yeah. How do you kind of look at this quarterback situation right now and not necessarily moving forward but maybe just on saturday what happened well how did we get to this point to where shevin cordero is playing in this football game yeah i think there's a saying in coaching consistently good beats occasionally great and when i talk about that is you look at the streakiness you look at the inconsistency this past game because if you go back to the last four games again we're talking nfl draft we're talking about a guy that's second third fourth rounder in the national football league but if you look at this past game he was at one time i think he completed nine passes in a row and then all of a sudden he was one for the next six and then he completes two touchdown passes then again he was inconsistent and gets 
gets pulled and the relief pitcher comes on. And again, this relief pitcher is not just your average guy out of the bullpen. Here's a guy that when he comes in, he closes games. He makes big plays. He's Gatorade State Player of the Year. He's a local boy. He's going to be a phenomenal player for the future of this program. But it has become this narrative of a quarterback controversy. And again, you mentioned at the beginning of this uh, telecast, it's the national narrative. Even teams, you're great one week and you're not so good the next week. I think what Coach Rolovich and Coach Stutzman are looking for is consistently good is better than occasionally great. When you look at this offense, right, it, there are games where they're able to throw the ball, but they can't run the ball, and that ends up being the bugaboo. Mm -hmm. Then there are games where they can run the ball and throw the ball, and then you get 54-3 at Nevada. You get 40 five to ten at one point against New Mexico and then you have a game like this and you've had against other opponents as well where they're able to run the ball mm -hmm. but they can't pass and and the vice versa why is that why, what is making it so difficult for the offense to take what the defense is giving mm -hmm. them but then even when they do that and they find the success so in this game it was yes. running the football yes. they found the success because Fresno State allowed them to run the football mm -hmm. In normal situations, and what you think would happen is that as the game goes on, Fresno State would then be afraid of the run yes. and then even it up a little bit, and then you can start throwing the ball more effectively. Why is that not happening? Why is it that when Hawaii can run the football, they can't throw the football? You know, it's an interesting conundrum because I talked to Coach Rolovich about that. And, you know, you talk about the lull in the third quarter against Central Arkansas. You talk about after the half versus New Mexico. And it's almost, it was infuriating, I think, a little bit to him because they're still third in the country in passing. They're still putting up over 500 yards a game. But there is this inconsistency, this lull. And when you talk about that, Rob, it usually is as simple as, wait, they've got two high safeties. That mm -hmm. means they're taking away the pass. They're either dropping five or six people and the box is not loaded enough to stop our running game and then you'll see where teams say hey we got to take away miles reed who's maybe been the best player on this team the last two weeks freddie holly played well this past game so we're going to allow you to pass and then a receiver drops a ball and then it's a legal illegal procedure mm -hmm. and then there's some type of uh, malfunctioning of this offense that we all see the superlatives. We see this seven on seven. We see this pylon type of offense that can put up numbers against anybody. And then you, you it's just, that's the biggest problem because I know these offensive coaches go back and look at the film and go like, this guy was open, this guy dropped the ball, this guy had a penalty, or else we're scoring every time we get the ball. Now, scoring every time they get the ball, that's what the fans, and especially, you know, we're going to get to the Bose football final mailbox in a bit, but I almost feel like every question that was asked is going to come up in this show before you even get to mailbox because um, there is a lot of passionate uh, questions and comments being sure. sent to my social media account. It's probably flagged by Instagram for language right now. But when you look at the defense yes. and their inability to to stop Fresno State, especially late in the game. Now, credit needs to be given that they stopped the Bulldogs in five of seven possessions in yeah. the first half. Yeah. Really, they gave the offense every opportunity yes. to blow this thing open in the first half. Yes. They weren't able to do it. When the offense struggled in the third quarter, the defense struggled in the mm -hmm. third quarter, and that created this just explosion for Fresno State. And then late in the fourth quarter when Chevin Cordero comes on and they're able to score finally in the second half, then the defense was unable to stop Fresno State. What did you see out of the defense? And really, this is two weeks in a row where the second half of football games, 
the defense, whether it's they're tired, whether it's adjustments coming out of the locker room that, that the opposing team is making, they're just unable to slow down these offenses when they come out of halftime. Yeah, and I and again, I get some of the social media you get and some of the, you know, questions that you have, and it's not Corey Batoon, it's not Jacob Euro, it's not Abraham Elamemi, it's not Ricky Longo. Schematically, they press some buttons that would work if the players were to execute their assignments. So when you look at the film from a defensive standpoint, yes, you'd love to have more speed on this defense, especially at the safety position. You'd like to have uh, more depth at the linebacker position, but we know what happened to Sonny Toa. We know what happened to Panay Pavihi. We know that um, Kanai Picanso was out this game, but we still have Kalen Jeremiah. Hicks was out as well. Kalen Hicks is out at safety. So there's injuries, and that's part of football. But I think we're not executing at a high level. We're not tackling as well as we could. After the Reno game, there was not a criticism that I could think of any single player our position, but are we taking the football away and giving it back to our offense? You mentioned the stops in the first half. That's phenomenal, and we should have had a bigger lead going into halftime. But in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter with a minute and 30 seconds to go and two timeouts for Fresno, you don't have a two-minute offense with Fresno because they can't throw the ball consistently. You have a quarterback that's going to make plays, extend plays, run read option, and that's what happened. And when, again, I don't want to blame any one player because JoJo Wood catches the ball, it's probably a different game late in that fourth quarter. Paul Scott comes on that blitz and actually controls his feet and, and makes the sack. It's probably a different ending. But that's what happens when you do not play good football on any phase, offense, defense, and I think special teams is average. But the penalties, the drop balls, the missed tackles, it all comes down to fundamentals. This football team is now 5-4 and four in the season, 2-3 and three in the Mountain West Conference, and they have a San Jose State squad coming to Aloha Stadium mm. that just scored 42 points it's in a Boise. loss to Boise State yeah. this past Saturday. How does Hawaii recover from this loss? Because at the top of this show, you explained something that everybody is feeling and everybody understands, is that, yes, it's one loss in the loss column, but this was a loss that was probably worth a lot more than just one. How does Hawaii recover? Yeah, and you know, you recover again by fundamentals, and that's easy to say, but you gotta get this team's psycho correct. They've gotta be in the right mood set. They've gotta understand that Josh Love in San Jose State is capable of putting up five, 600 yards, 40 mm -hmm. to 50 points, and you're not gonna outscore everybody you play, so you need turnovers on defense. You need the hidden yardage to be won by the special teams. You're gonna have to have explosive plays on the special teams, and you're going to have more consistency, especially the quarterback throwing the ball, receivers catching the ball, and you got to eliminate the stupid penalties. When you look at psychologically how this team needs to recover from this and how this team needs to show up for San Jose State, they're not going to have the overwhelming support in your home stadium. That has been proven. We have seen this out of Aloha Stadium. Mm -hmm. I was blown away to the absolute worst student section I've ever seen in my entire life at this Fresno State game, your arch rival. You had 17,000 people in attendance, but 1,400 of them were from the Marcus Mariota Foundation. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at really, I mean, this was like a 15,000, 16,000 uh, uh, seat crowd. Why is that? What, what is happening here? to where you have a game that was so huge in the Mountain West Conference West Division standings that the University of Hawaii set themselves up to, with four games remaining after this Fresno State game, or three games in conference after this Fresno State game, if you tack them, boom, 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 you get San Diego State at home in a West Division title game, and people did not show up. 
And this was not one that was on national television mm -hmm. that people could sit home and watch. You had to pay the money for pay-per-view if you still watched it. What's going on here, Rich? Yeah, that is one of the most perplexing things. And even as a broadcaster, former player, uh, former coach, to see how small the crowd is and how it's dissipating against a rival, against a must-win game. Um, there are so many answers, and you and I could spend the next six hours, and I'd like to have Dave Matlin right here, Scott Chan right here, um, anyone that cares about this program to be in some type of uh, roundtable discussion. Yeah, the fan experience could be better. Is it money? Do we need a new sound system that we actually would have to pay for until we get this new proposed stadium? Uh, could we play better? Yes, we have to start winning conference games at home. Um, we, th so it's on the field, it's off the field, it's in the community. Uh, are we supporting this team from a legislative standpoint in terms of we need to give more money to the University of Hawaii so that we can have some of these things that some of these other schools have, facilities, whatever. I mean, this is one of those problems that if you, you know, it's, it's a boat that's capsizing and there's a bunch of holes, we've got to start plugging some of these holes up now because everybody has to remember, football still makes a few million dollars, which supports 19 or 20 non-revenue producing sports. And could it be better? Yes, it could be better. And it starts with recruiting. It starts with winning games. But there's more components to that that we all have to take a look at. And if you're just a single individual out there asking, how can I help this team? You can help by going to the game and paying for the ticket, even if you don't think it's the greatest experience. Hawaii needs you. There is one thing you said in that. Hawaii needs to start winning conference games, yes. right? This is a stat that I was blown away by when I looked it up. Dating back to 2012, the University of Hawaii football team in their home stadium at Aloha Stadium is 7-23 and in Mountain West conference games. They have more wins on the road in conference games than they do at home, which is just bonkers, all right? How big is that? Because we, at the end of the day, yes, beating Arizona is huge. Beating Navy last year, huge. Beating Oregon but what State. Are, beating Oregon State. But what are the most important games that you play on your schedule? There are conference games. And the fact that, they, that this program has an inability to win the most important games in front of your home crowd, don't you think that adds up? Don't you think that as people are leaving the stadium, disappointed that once again Hawaii has moved further and further from one day accomplishing a conference title, don't you think that adds up and makes this an issue to where Jimmy McGee doesn't show up for the fourth time after watching them lose three times in a row in important games? And local recruits don't stay home because there's no crowd base, because, you know, a number of different things. But let's go back to that. Because if you said that stat in it was the Norm Chow error, I would say bad fit. We mm -hmm. understand that whole error. But Nick Rolovich, as good as he's been, and he has been good in a number of areas, as good as Cole McDonald's been, they're part of the last two years. Yeah. Because when you look at last year, six and one, should have been seven and oh, had them on the eight yard line against Army. But then when it came time to the Fresno, Boise, yeah. Utah States, whatever else, that's the meat of this Mountain yeah. West Conference. Hawaii needs to get one of those signature wins. Absolutely. You bring up just the last couple of years, Cole McDonald has never won a conference game at Aloha Stadium. Uh, the only couple of wins over the last couple of years was Wyoming, which was started by Chevin Cordero, and then UNLV, which Hawaii was down. Chevin Cordero came in and saved the day on that one last year. You look at Nick Rolovich, 4-10 in conference games at Aloha Stadium, and, and really those numbers just don't add up. They don't match up. When you look at the history of this program, that has never been the case. 
I mean, there, there is something going on with this team playing in front of their home crowd. And I do think that at the end of the day, that has a big role in people not showing up to Aloha Stadium. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what Bob Davies told me three or four years ago in New Mexico. Really, the teams that have advantages in the Mountain West Conference is Boise because of tradition in Hawaii because of Hawaii. And we can get recruits to come to this school. We can be a top Mountain West Conference school each and every year. And there's a number of reasons why we're not, but it does start on the playing field. It does start recruiting local kids staying home as well as great athletes coming from the mainland. But I believe San Diego State obviously is a wonderful university. I believe Nevada has tremendous potential, but they haven't found a way to win. Colorado builds a new stadium. Don't get me wrong when I think that Hawaii, just because it's Hawaii, is going to win. There's a lot of components that go into it, but we have to start addressing those components. You know, that's interesting. You bring up what Bob Davies said about, you know, Hawaii is Hawaii and Boise State continues to win because of the tradition. And that's why the University of Hawaii was such a unique program. And they're in such a unique position because at a point, two different points of their tenure, of their existence, you had both at the same time. Yes. You had yes. Hawaii and it can you be had done. tradition. But that's what I want to talk about. And, and this isn't going to solve all the problems. This isn't going to change everything. And next week, once people say, oh, you're right, I'm going to start going to the game or whatever, right? <laughs> Is that you look at the first, let's call it the first era of Rainbow Warrior football, yes. okay? And you had the green and the white. And you had the rainbow stripes and you had the rainbow on the helmet and you had Hawaii 5-0 and you had confetti coming from the crowd. You had the band playing. You had all these things, right? And, and no matter how good the team is, no matter how bad the team is, tradition sets in. And when you're driving to the stadium, you start thinking about what's this going to be like? What's, this, what's tonight going to be like? Oh, I remember this. I remember that. I remember this. I remember Nico Nonga. And, and I mean, even in the, the, the latter end of that, of Eddie Klineski and Garrett Gabriel, Michael Carter and Travis Sims, Maatano Vasi, you go on and on and on and on. Rich Miano, okay? Then June Jones gets here and closes that book. All right, so all of that is gone, right? So now when you're driving to the stadium and you're thinking about University of Hawaii football, you're no longer thinking of those things because those things don't exist anymore. They don't look like that. It doesn't look like that, right? June Jones comes in and he brings in the speaker system and you have the music playing instead of the band. You have Vili the Warrior. You have all these different things. You have the black and the silver and all these things change, the okay? The logo. The new logo, that is now the norm. That is now what people drive to the stadium to do, okay? Then June Jones leaves. And over the next few years, you go through this identity crisis where you're not quite sure who you are. You're changing uniforms. You're changing, uh, you know, introductions. The band comes back in a more a prominent role. You get rid of the music. You get rid of Billy the Warrior. All these things change, right? Then the Norm Chow era begins. And then it's burnt to the complete ground where it's cut your hair, take your name off your back, and all these other things, right? Yes. Let's, let's bring the haka back. Let's... Then Nick Rolovich comes. Right? And then you start to kind of bring back the June Jones thing a little bit with the uniforms and, and uh, Hawaii, Hawaii 5-0 is back. I don't think people know who the University of Hawaii is. There is no identity. There is no connection. There is no tradition. There is no, I mean, what, when people drive to the stadium mm -hmm. today, yes. what are they to think about? What, what, what experience are they about to get? Because you've lost all tradition. You lost the old tradition. You lost the somewhat new tradition of June Jones. And what are they now? What do you get? Yeah, uh, and again... Does this make any sense, uh, what no, I'm no, saying? I'm totally, sorry, because... No, I agree. And, and, and I think I'd be pompous to say that when they named 
no, I'm child, the head coach, it was the wrong fit, and I was the right fit, but because there's some continuity in terms of the June Jones era, which mm. I was a large part of, and the era before that where there was this tremendous tradition with rainbows and, you know, all the things you talked about and Billy the Warrior, whatever else, we tried a new program and it did not work and so now you have Nick Rolovich who played here whose wife is from here who has local coaches on his staff who's trying to recruit local kids but after so many years of losing you did lose so much and it's not June's fault that he left because he finally ran out of bullets mm -hmm. and he ran out of bullets because you didn't have the support you didn't have the pay that he wanted for his assistant coaches you had things that just weren't Division one, and unless this whole state and the governor, the legislature, uh, the University of Hawaii people that work there want to get on a 747 and go to see what these other programs are doing from a legislative standpoint, from a corporate standpoint, from an individual, from a fan experience standpoint, we're always going to be talking about this. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, like we said from the beginning, this we don't know how to fix it. The one thing we do know. <laughs> is that the more this team wins, yes. the closer you become to fixing it and the closer you become to <clears throat> at least filling some of those holes. And at the end of the day, this football team just needs to win in order to get some kind of traction back uh, on the terrain. And let me close by saying, if we're towards the end of the broadcast, we did send guys to the National Football League, Jelani Tavai, yeah. John Ursua. That's huge for recruiting. We did go to a bowl game last year. We do have local coaches that care about this program. We're starting to get enough depth to win, but we got to win. We can talk about this for hours. And <laughs> I really, I mean, if I didn't have a job to do at KHON2 and put a sports cast together and go and do interviews or whatever, You're I saying would that sit, I don't have a job either? I, I would sit in this chair for the next yes. 16 and a half hours to talk about this because yeah. there is just too much to say. But it's Bo's Football Final Mailbox time. Mahalo to everyone that sent in questions or comments to my Instagram page, at Rob DeMello, Twitter, at Rob DeMello, KHON. We, we've narrowed it down to just a few, uh, and, and especially a few of the things that we weren't talking about. Um, the first thing's first. Lincoln Victor, the freshman uh, slot back and kick returner, he played in this game, but, but primarily as a kick returner. Really, I think only as a kick returner. The question being asked is, why burn Lincoln Victor's red shirt? Because now it's too late. He can't red shirt this season. Why burn his red shirt to use him just as a kick returner when you could be using him in offense as well? Interesting question. He probably should play more. You know, I'm not the receiver coach or a coach in the staff. But when you look at it, this is one team, the only team in the nation that has six receivers over 100 yards. When you look at Jason Matthews Sharsh, he played phenomenal. One of his better games this game. And he's played consistently all year long. And you look at the other inside guy, because really, Victor's an inside guy. Yes. He can play outside but he's an inside guy. So it wasn't the slot receivers that were, you know, uh, not the reason you won this football game. But I agree with you. And I think Nick Rolovich's plan and Andre Allen and Craig Stutzman is to play this young man more. But he is a threat as a return guy. I love the way he hits those kickoffs, returns back. And I agree with you. You don't want to burn a retro year just as a return guy, but I don't think that's the plan. I think you'll see him more as the season progresses. All right, the next question is, uh, and the way it's stated is having two quarterbacks is a great thing, yes. but, right, and but, but. was capitalized. <laughs> Does having two quarterbacks create Cole McDonald being the scapegoat every time this team loses? It can be if you believe in narratives. It can be if you believe that the team is divided. It can be if you don't have a coach like Craig Stutzman who has a, the best persona in terms of dealing with his quarterback, Hui. And it can be if Nick Rolovich 
is an alpha and Cole McDonald's an alpha and they don't get along, but I think they both respect and appreciate each other at a very high level. And that's what happens when you have these two alphas. They don't agree on everything and you see it on the sidelines, but it can be a problem. It's just what, what is manifesting itself out of all those issues? If you were the head coach of this football team, who starts at quarterback against San Jose State? You know, that's one of those questions. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Yeah, you got to yeah. piss some people off, yeah. right? And we talked about not being political. I really believe in my heart that Cole McDonald has played outstanding football, and he's not the reason to, for losing. But I do understand the viewers in the local population and myself who feels like Chevron could have won the job last year. And it's a tough thing to call because even in the San Diego State game last year, this same narrative was happening. Cole goes in, throws for 450 yeah. yards, and they beat San Diego State at San Diego. I've seen so much of Cole McDonald. I think what Nick Rolovich is doing, some people may question pulling him during the middle of a series, but I think you start the starter, and Chevin is the twitch guy. He's the guy that brings the spark. If you need a spark, you bring him in. But it keeps him engaged, Chevin Cordero. And Chevin Cordero is the future of this program. So I'm, I'm not against how they've been handling it, but it's going to be interesting moving forward. All right, this next question is how many people make their way to Aloha Stadium next week and how, and see, and this is interesting because we've kind of talked about this, yes. how do you get it closer to the 30,000 in the past? Well, so you, the first one yeah. is how many people do you think come okay. to Saturday's game against San Jose State at Aloha State? I was so disappointed this past week. We're not going to have the Motivate group this week. If it's below 15,000, it almost looks like a high school football game. We're a Division One program in a state with only one Division one team that supports so many other Division One sports at the University of Hawaii. I hope people come out. I don't expect more than 15,000, and that will make me sad before I even start my broadcast. But um, how do you get them to come out? You make the fan experience better. You put a better product on the field. You finally win a, a good against a good team in the Mountain West Conference, and you get back into this race, and you get back into the discussion that you're going to be bowl eligible after two more victories. It starts this week. And see, and that's the scariest part of this, and, and, and it's all... Like we talked about, it, it's, it's you have to tack them on together and you have to have the big games because let's say the University of Hawaii beat San Jose State. Mm -hmm. It's a very good Spartan team. Anyone that is, is, oh, yeah. is passionate about college football, football, anyone that follows the Mountain West Conference knows that San Jose State is scary good. Yeah. But a win over San Jose State won't move the meter. No, it won't. Then and you go up to UNLV, yes. and even if you pick up a UNLV that won't victory, that won't either. move the meter, meter either. And then you get San Diego State at home, but it's too late because you didn't move the meter over the last couple of weeks where you're not going to have a big attendance in that game. But I, but I think you do win this game, hopefully. You do win against UNLV on the road, hopefully. People, if you're not going to come to the San Diego State game, even if it means mathematically Hawaii cannot win the West Division, they still are playing a, the 24th ranked team in the nation. It doesn't get a whole lot better than this in the Mountain West Conference. We got to stop thinking that we're not going to pay for Michael Jackson, but we expect to see Michael. You're going to see Tito Jackson, but that's all we have right now. If you want this team to be with the likes of Pac-12 and the likes of these other programs, it needs support from every single layer imaginable, but we are a good Mountain West Conference program. We need to support it. Yeah, and, and that's the interesting thing is that this all goes back to, you know, 2007, the June Jones era, and how the expectations were created in that season <laughs> of what is possible. 
And even though the University of Hawaii football team is a group of five conference member, that makes it very difficult to climb out of the bucket in a way. Yes. It showed that it is possible. And I think until you get closer to showing that you have your claw on the lip of the bucket, it's going to be difficult for, for people to rally around. Because, I mean, the interesting thing to me, and I was just talking to a buddy about this the other day, is that it's interesting how the people of Hawaii, I will say this, everyone in Hawaii cares about the University yes. of Hawaii football. Yes. Yep. Not everybody is as passionate invested. or as invested as, it, as they should be. But those same people will never lose their allegiance to their NFL team, that they don't live in that state, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's a Raiders fan, no matter how bad the Raiders are, every season starts up and you're excited about Raider football. Now, you, no one's asking them to pay money. Right. No one's asking them to drive to Oakland for a game. Right. No one's asking them to do all those things, but it's just that allegiance. They don't go away. And why is that? Because every year when the season starts, there's a chance for them to go to the Super Bowl. And people understand that unless the University of Hawaii strings together three or four good seasons, that fifth season is not possible where you could be a national contender, where you could be. Because let's face it, it's not going to happen in one year. And yeah. I think that is what's happening with people is that they're waiting for this team to string together a couple of good years. And then that is when they jump on board and say, OK, let's go all aboard yeah. the hype train. Choo-choo. Yeah. <laughs> Choo-choo. But, but what the problem is, is the haves are becoming having more in the have-nots and we cannot allow that to continue to happen at the University of Hawaii because I know one thing they Hawaii fans will not support us playing Portland State being a 1AA team Hawaii fans will get more on the bandwagon if the Pac-12 becomes the Pac-16 if we continue to support this team and get better facilities more funding so that we can make more money the football program to distribute to these 19 non-revenue producing sports but again it's gonna come with winning on the field first, but we have to have a governor, we have to have corporations, we have to have individuals that are gonna be true fans. Well, we'll see what happens. And, and, and step number one starts on Saturday against Aloha, against San Jose State at Aloha Stadium. As we talk, I mean, all these different facets and everything. Uh, really, number one, though, is winning football yes, games. Is. And they need to win football games. And, uh, to, and maintaining a bowl eligibility and moving along those lines begins with San Jose State on Saturday. Again, kickoff will be set for 6 p.m at Aloha Stadium. We'll see what happens on Saturday, and then on Monday we'll be back here to talk about it. As always, I'm Rob DeMello. This is Rich Miano. Thanks for watching Bo's Football Final at KHON2.com. And remember, you can catch it on podcasts through Google Play, through Spotify, through Apple Podcasts, anywhere you go, Bo's Football Final is there. Thanks for joining us once again. Have a great day, everybody. Aloha.